This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So I was excited, and you told me that you shot a doe, and I, I asked you, I was like, so is she is she done for the count, you know, for sure? Uh, or do you actually need a dog? And you're like, I'm 98% sure that oh, yeah. she's down for the count. And that was before you got down and looked for blood, I, right. I suppose. And then about 15 minutes later, you get another text that's like, I actually do need a tracking dog. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy. You are in trouble. Oh, session podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Fall Obsession podcast episode driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company. Talk more about them later. I'm Sam, I'm your podcast host, and we are in Deer Camp again. Got a couple guys sitting here with me. Um, like last time, my dad, Mark, is here with me in Deer Camp, and then Media Production Director from Fall Obsession, Nick Powell. What's up, buddy? So, sounds different. If you're watching the podcast video, it looks different. Because, again, we're in deer camp. These uh, these times at Fall Obsession, we're always trying to not only keep our content relevant, but then maintain our publication schedule and everything. And that uh, sometimes means that we're podcasting and recording on the road. So, that's where we are right now hanging out um we got the dog here with us too another critter making his appearance on fall obsession podcast ranger's first one actually he hadn't been on here yet but he's all tuckered out because he just got a little bit of work this evening yeah he did somebody had to go and shoot a deer on Mm -hmm. texas dirt so tell somebody yeah somebody tell us a little bit about that well it was kind of a stressful evening because I didn't see anything which i've been here since 9 30 this morning 9 45 this morning and hadn't seen a single animal at all no pigs no deer nothing 
and so uh, it was getting pretty close to to the end of legal shooting line. There's probably 45 minutes left of legal shooting light. 15 minutes left till sundown, and uh, nothing had even come to the feeder yet. The feeder had been had gone off 15 minutes prior, and I had three does that came up to my left, making their way to the feeder, and just kind of walking through the trees, you know, making their way there. And I was trying to get the camera because I had my the recorder and everything, camcorder and get the shot on video and do you know do all the film your own hunt stuff and do, do all the media things <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying to do too much probably <laughs> uh and so i was trying to get the camera and film them and i got a little bit of footage i have to show it to you but um i was trying to get footage and was trying to and the camera squeaked or something i don't know something made a noise and she was locked on on, on me so i was real still didn't move uh, she knew something wasn't right so she started going around behind me uh, to try and win me which I'm surprised she didn't um, never blew at me or anything like that uh, but they were behind me so I couldn't really see them I couldn't see them at all because they were behind me and uh, I waited for a little bit to, to move and eventually I got turned around a few times uh, just to see if I could spot them anywhere and about the third time I, I turned around, they uh, I saw one behind a tree, behind a mesquite tree. And so I was like, okay, they're still they're still there, which is what I figured because I never heard them blow or never heard them run or anything like that. <clears throat> so I kind of figured they were still there, which is why I stayed still. So I spotted one of them, um, and so I was like, well, it's now or never. I stopped worrying about the camera and was just like. I gotta get turned around somehow. So the whole stand swivels uh, at the top. And so I, I tried my hardest to, to turn as slow as I could without making any noise. Yeah. And um, got turned around. I actually had the GoPro going, so luckily I did get a little bit of footage, but um, got turned around, got locked on. And then once I got comfortable, got in a shooting position, there were two of them behind this mesquite tree. And um, I was trying to figure out, I couldn't really tell which one was bigger. And so um, one of them found a hole in this mesquite tree and saw me moving. And so I'm assuming it's the same one that was locked onto me before. And so she found me, so I was really still. And once she figured out something wasn't right, she started walking to walk, to walk away. And she hit a clearing, and right as she hit that clearing, I pulled the trigger. And, she did the classic donkey kick, took off. And uh, the weird part about it was, was once I got down, I waited a little bit. Once I got down to go look for blood, I started looking for blood in the other two, which had run off and like run way off, 150 yards plus, had already come back. Hmm. And so they were already back trying to trying to find mom or, or something. And so uh, they had come back two or three times between me for walking from the stand to walking where you know I saw I tried to find first blood and so uh, I knew that she was down somewhere yeah. but the blood was really hard to find <clears throat> but luckily we had Ranger coming in clutch we had and a secret weapon once I found first blood Ranger <laughs> took it from there so tell us about that same with Ranger so 
Ranger is a, what is he? He's half German Shepherd, half mini Australian Shepherd, uh, an accidental breeding. <laughs> he, uh, mom's an Australian Shepherd, dad's a, a German Shepherd. So he, he's got a nose on him, and we learned that pretty quick. Um, and we got this dog with the intention of, <clears throat> we, we have another dog at the house, and she's sweet and awesome, but want a companion for her, but we also want a, a dog that had a job. You know, we, we need a dog that had a, a purpose. Working dog. A working dog. So <laughs> we got Ranger here um, over the summer, which looking at his size you wouldn't guess that he's still a puppy but he is still a puppy he's only a few months old um and pretty quickly my wife gets a lot of credit for it too because she's she's the more the dog trainer of the two of us um started working with him on trailing you know whether it be like uh actually she started working with him on shed hunting um, was the first thing and then from there we start working on him on tracking and trailing and that kind of stuff so in training and everything like that, uh, he's been 100% all the way through all of his training and stuff. And so finally, it's here recently, it's been like, all right, I, I think he's good to go. Like, mm -hmm. we, we can give this a shot at this point. So this was our first time to actually, he's come out here to help us fill feeders and stuff before, but yeah. this is our first time to bring him out here on a hunt. And, uh, and, you, and you told us at the beginning, you said, now, if you shoot something, you know, you yeah, because this this whole first year, um, I I'm just trying to get them experience. You know, we, we all know our listeners know if you, especially if you're in the south, um, kind of the market for for tracking and blood trailing dogs and stuff oh, yeah. like that. Dogs that can find wounded deer, and I'm kind of having an ambition to to bring him into that point. But obviously, he needs experience going into it. So. Any opportunity I can this first season to get him on a blood trail, I want to take it. So that being said, when we all got here this morning, I made the comment to the guys here, like, "Hey, if y'all, if y'all kill a deer, even if you can see it from your stand, if there's a blood trail and it conveniently works, you know, for us to put the dog on the blood trail and let him work it, you know, let's let's do it just to get him some reps. If y'all are okay with it." You know, and I, I told you, I was like, obviously, if you shoot a deer at 4.30 in the afternoon, I don't want you to wait till dark for me <laughs> come out of my stand and go get the dog, you know. Right. But I heard, um, I heard Nick pull the trigger at 5.20. I was looking at him watching when you pull that trigger, so. Yeah, I, so I didn't hear you shoot from yeah, my stand. Yeah, you were pretty far away. Yeah, I was opposite side of the property, so I didn't hear you shoot, but you text me soon after, I guess. Yeah. And you're like... Uh, you're gonna need to get Ranger, whatever you yep. said. They better get Ranger. Better get Ranger. And so I was excited, and you told me that you shot a doe, and I, I asked you, I was like, so is she, is she done for the count? You know, for sure. Uh, or do you actually need a dog? And you're like, I'm 98 percent sure that oh, yeah. she's down for the count. And that was before you gotten down and looked for blood, I, right. I suppose. And then about 15 minutes later, I get another text that's like, I actually do need a tracking dog. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm, I'll probably need Ranger for real. <laughs> yeah. So it worked out. We got him out there. And by the time we uh, we got the dog and got out to you, you had already found some blood at mm -hmm. that point, a little speck. So Very little, yeah. That, uh, that helped us get him started. But um, he's a puppy. He's, he's energetic and, you know, gets excited so there we had to refocus him a couple of times but 
especially toward toward the end there after the second refocus he just he locked on and he was on it he was he was moving at that point he yeah he he turned uh what could have been a rather lengthy track job into into pretty quick for for the first part of that at least based on the blood i was looking at it was we probably would have been stumbling around there quite a while looking at specs and yeah, he, she ran what 30 yards before she even before she even started bleeding yeah, yeah. so it, and <clears throat> from there it was it was probably about a hundred yard trail when it was yeah. all said and done and once we got him on blood it was probably five seven eight minutes and yep. it was over so yeah and if i was i was i called my wife to tell her you know the whole story that i just told and I was like, yeah, if, if Ranger hadn't been out here, probably wouldn't have made it to the processor in time because the processor closed at eight. Yeah. So. Yeah, he did. Got there with fifteen minutes to spare, and so <laughs> he saved us some time. Yeah, he did. So he he did good, and first uh, first successful real life track of of many. So like I said, he's a hundred percent in training and. He's starting off batting a thousand in the real world, so yeah. it's a good start. His reaction when he walked up. I know it was so funny. He <laughs> he he didn't know what to expect because he's just he's used to following these trails and finding you know a deer leg or you know something else at the end of them, and he uh, he found a deer leg attached to a whole deer. <laughs> so, yeah, a nice deer. <laughs> oh, he did not know. He's huge. He did, didn't bark or anything at it, but he didn't. He was not expecting uh, to see an animal of that size yeah. laying on the ground in front of him when he got to the end. So he was appropriately cautious. He was appropriately cautious. He, but he quickly realized that uh, it was a good thing that he had just found. Yeah. So. <laughs> but he did. He did good. And now, if you're watching the podcast video, you see he's all worn out. Oh, yeah. He's had a big day. So. But. No, it's it's been good. I'm glad you got a you got a deer on the ground out here. Yeah. And uh, first one. Yeah. We were talking earlier before we recorded about how it's I think this season all of us that hunt out here combined, not all on the Texas Dirt Series or anything, but all of us combined. We I think we're at seven now for how many deer that we've killed out here on Texas Dirt this year, which is already. A larger number than last year and we still For got sure. six weeks of season left so mm -hmm. but we're not seeing the deer like we were talking earlier we're not seeing the deer that we saw last year and we're not sure why you are surmising about drought i think yeah and i know we mentioned on the podcast you and i recorded one in camp here recently and not to not to be repetitive of that previous episode or anything but you know the drought we had in texas over the summer definitely impacted that but then we were also just talking about and if y'all watch season one of Texas Dirt, you know exactly what we're talking about with the the caliber of bucks that we were seeing last year that I was passing on <laughs> last year uh, that I would gladly uh, gladly give anything to see again, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe tomorrow morning. Who knows? Maybe tomorrow morning, big big boy walk out. But all it is to say, they uh, it's just it's like where'd they go? You know, that's yeah. the question we were asking is where do they go? Because three of them for sure, because I hunted a lot, especially late season last year out here. I know for a fact three of them made it through the end of last general season. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, it's just, I don't know if the drought pulled them, drew them elsewhere where there was better food and better water. It's quite, quite possible, but um, we're definitely not seeing those same bucks that we saw last year. And 
as we've mentioned on the podcast before, all the bucks that we are seeing out here are these coal six, seven, and eight pointers. It seems like are pretty, pretty consistent. And we were just looking at trail cam pictures that you pulled today of these bucks that have these tiny little racks, but these big, huge bodies on mm-hmm. them. And I've I've had an encounter with with one of those, and it's just like. Like you look at the body size of these deer and it it should be a 140 inch whitetail and yeah. it's got a little little thing on top yep. of it and i think we're all on the same page like all of us are willing to shoot these deer yeah because like everything about them says mature except for their little their little <laughs> rats yeah. Right, yeah yeah and and i know we've said it on the podcast before but the texas regulations are they have to have an inside spread of at least 13 inches and so it's hard to tell you know on the hoof yeah. you know to judge them on the hoof but <clears throat> well i mean and you can judge them on the hoof but you also have to have the right perspective of the deer right and then you have to have the time to make that judgment call exactly and if you only get a, a forward-facing look of that buck briefly and then you're hesitant to make that call that could be all of the opportunity that you had yep. right there going Absolutely. away so and but i mean it's the sacrifice you have to make because again you want to kill a legal deer so yeah. yeah but that you know frustrations that we have out here but i granted we have more setups this year we have more cameras out this year i believe that we're seeing total throughout the whole property camera intel combined we're seeing more deer than we saw last year as far as what we what we have shown up on our cameras but it's uh definitely the the quality of the bucks has decreased from year one to year two yeah i've yet to see a hog out here though really i I know y'all have i know you've killed hogs Mm -hmm. too already and your dad killed a big one and Mm -hmm. you killed a big one too yeah I haven't seen one this year. Really? Yeah. I've have y'all seen it? I mean, I'm wondering the, the, the number of hogs, if we have the, the density as we had before. I, I think that it's more, maybe not, I don't know that the density has changed, but I think that it's, I just think that they're more consistent this year. Because last year, it got, the later it got in hunting season, in fall and into winter, it got drier and drier and drier out here. Okay. And the pattern that I noticed was the drier it got, the less hogs that we saw last fall. Cause we had, like when we first came out to look at this property in the summer, like you'd be driving down the main road and you'd see herds of pigs running across the road. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, you killed a hog last year, but then it kind of after that point is when I started seeing less on camera and it just, it didn't seem like there were as many pigs running around and it coincidentally got drier at the same time. This year, despite the drought, it's like you couldn't, at least down the south end of the property where we bow hunt, I didn't feel like you could turn the pigs off. They were, they were at the feeders every night, sometimes all night. It was just, they were, they were always there. And then I, you know, we brought Todd out here in the summer and he yep. killed a pig and he's, he had some encounters with hogs down here, which is the goal with his hunt. But um, I killed the big one. And then we pop, when I talked about in our last podcast together, we're killing skunk out here too, that other mm-hmm. pig. So we have water holes on the south end too. I don't think have many on the north end. Too. Well, we, we have two. They're, they're more toward this side 
like out where your stand is farther on the east right. side you know there's there's one that's somewhat close over there but mm -hmm. you know, it's not you can't see it from your stand or anything like that but it's I don't really know what to attribute the hog activity yeah, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. It could be because I feel like last year we saw a bunch, we only killed a few, and then this year it seemed like we were seeing a bunch over the summer, and we've killed a lot, and so maybe they're just wising up. We've we have killed more more pigs, and I've always heard a, a rumor that if you if you kill the boss hog. The rest of them will disappear and leave that area, yeah. whatever that area is defined as. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, that's what we did. Well, I haven't like that big one, for example, that I shot. He was with a pack of a, a herd of pigs and sows, piglets and sows, and it out here the boars travel in singles or pairs, and I've never been on a property where I've seen that before, but that's how it is out here it's been mm -hmm. consistent like that for two years now but he was with a group which made me think that a set one of those sows was in heat but since then i haven't seen a group of pigs i might well here and there i might have gotten a picture of some but it's still mostly been these medium to large size boars that i have on camera showing up at at all stands yeah. ran at random times no real pattern to them but, and then i had an encounter last time we were out here with one up here at the at the Rocky Top stand, that's what we named it. But mm -hmm. just was gonna shoot him. He's he's a big hog, but swapping out my deer arrow with my pig arrow <laughs> made a little too much movement. And he was he was already on on edge with the wind swirl. So. Yeah, when I shot my big one, he was alone. Yeah, he did, he was all by himself. <coughs> yeah, it's weird. I've, every property that I've hunted over the years, it's a, I've always just. All pigs have always just traveled in, in herds, yeah. in packs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, for sure. But it. This, sounders. With the what? The sounders. That's what they're called. Is that that's what they're what called? A group of pigs is called the sounders. That's right. You looked that up on a podcast a long I don't time know why ago. I just remembered that. Sounders. A sounder. Yeah. Never heard that before. That's what a group that's of pigs like, is called. Dang, you just dug back into like podcast episode 11 yeah, was like 13 <laughs> or something like that yeah right it, was, back there. it was like wow. very very beginning of our podcast that was a long time ago but i do remember that now mm -hmm. sounder sounder i learned something today so that's cool <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're out here we're having a good time it's hunting camp either way and i know we want to touch on that too and, and kind of good tied in with throwing it back to podcast 12 or 11 or 13 whatever it was back then but you know we're we're 130 something episodes into into our podcast now and i know we have a lot of new listeners starting to hang out with us and make us a part of their normal podcast schedule with us being on the carbon tv network and everything and um, we are very grateful for that thank you all but this is what we try to do. We try to put relevant content on our podcast, relevant to the season, the time of year that we're in. It being deer season, as I mentioned at the beginning, you'll catch us in deer camp sometimes. And we want those episodes, even our normal podcast episodes, to be a casual, laid-back conversation that our listeners just feel like they're sitting here in deer camp with yeah. us you know that they're just a part of a conversation that is taking place and that's kind of the the, the down-to-earth feeling of fall obsession podcast and i know that we've come a long way too 
because you and I, we've, we've been doing the podcast thing since we kicked it off. Mm-hmm. And I can remember both of us going into every episode with, oh, we got to write notes. We got to have pages of notes. You know, you'd have your computer, I'd have mine. We'd have all these notes and all these talking points and everything laid out. And we were all official and everything. <laughs> so and, official. And now we just, I can't remember the last time I wrote notes for a podcast <laughs> no. episode. We'll get, we get some guests sometimes, they're like, well, can you send me some talking points? And so I'll draw up talking points for them and everything. And, you know, for their sake, I'll try to follow that, that lineup and everything to help mm-hmm. the conversation flow, you know, just to give them an idea on what we're talking about. But other than that, I don't, we dive in with a topic and we, and we go with it. Yep. And it's been working out pretty good at this point. So, And then we can ask our listening audience the deer we've killed out here have no ticks. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. So maybe you can, someone can tell us why, because I know how, property we've hunted before, they're covered with ticks and fleas and all, but the one you had to kill tonight and mm-hmm. the two I've killed this year, there's not a single tick on on the deer. Yeah, I, and I didn't, I have not consciously made that realization until driving out here today, you mentioned that to me. And I, was, I thought about it, I was like, you know what, it, that's, that's right, I, I have not seen yeah a bunch of ticks on any of our deer or anything. Do so, you find that true on your other property that you hunt? I mean, do you... Uh, well, we've only killed one deer there, so we don't have a whole lot of examples to go off of. I'd be curious to ask, ask your dad, you know, any kills that they've had if they've seen ticks. Yeah, so I'll ask him that. Because I've not seen these, so maybe listeners, if you know, can tell us why we'd like to know. Yeah, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're watching the podcast video or listening on whatever platform, Head on over to our social media page and the post for this episode, or if you're watching on YouTube in the comments below, if you've got any any ideas on that, send them over because we're very curious to to hear some input on that. So, but another successful hunt in the books. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, and you said Todd killed today too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, we we were dragging uh dragging next year. I think we had just found it and you know we were starting to drag it out and he texted me or something and picture of a big old doe that he had killed he texted me in the stand actually saying that he shot a deer and sent me a picture of a big old doe so it's been uh as todd and i have already discussed in last week's podcast it's been a stellar year for the fall obsession crew oh for sure as far as laying down deer so we went we went 12 days i believe at one point where somebody killed a deer mostly bucks every single day yeah Across, across the country on all staff members combined. So it's been very a good impressive. year. Yeah, very mm-hmm. impressive. Legendary. Legendary. Dare I say. <laughs> there you go. Well, for our listeners, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're streaming on your favorite app, you're watching on YouTube, or listening on Carbon TV. We appreciate y'all. If you haven't already, whatever platform you are listening or watching on, Hit that follow or subscribe button and make sure your notifications are turned on. That way um, you guys know whenever we drop a new episode, we put out a new podcast episode every single Monday morning. Um, again, relevant to the, the time and the season. Sometimes we're in studio, sometimes we're recording with guests, sometimes we're in deer camp, sometimes it's Drew up in Minnesota that's hosting the episode. So a um, lot, of, lot of variety and variety in the subject matter of our content as well so fallobsession.com is the website that's where you guys can go to find all of our content we are a hunting and outdoor media production company 
um, and we produce a wide variety of content from across the country. People that are boots on the ground in all these different states that hunt in these different environments. They are blue collar hunters just like you and me and we have content covering hundreds of different topics in the hunting and outdoor industry at this point so explore around on fallobsession.com there's something for you on there video series wild game recipes gear reviews um, educational videos and articles the podcast is all on there so go uh, check that out make sure you subscribe to the youtube channel uh, weekly new videos getting posted on there multiple times a week social media facebook instagram twitter and go wild go check all of those out and derek and Lacey over at ridge rock they are the podcast partners and sponsors we love derek and Lacey, and they love setting you guys up with vetted and trusted outfitters uh, across the country that's what ridge rock does so if you're looking to book your next hunt with somebody who um, is guaranteed to give you a good experience uh, be sure that you hit derek up he will work with you to find something that's within your timeline, your budget, um, your specifications on what you're trying to do, all that good stuff. So Ridge Rock Hunt Company, go check out their website and their social media pages. We got a hunt in the morning, so we'll have to turn in here pretty soon. But, okay. Yeah, we're, what's, the, what's y'all's plan in the spirit of oh, meeting yeah. our listeners? In the spirit of, yes. What's uh, the plan? I still need to look up the wind direction. But if I have a north wind, I will be in my tree stand. That is my plan. So I probably plan to hunt. Uh, I had my stand didn't see anything tonight. I'll probably hunt methane tomorrow. I'm thinking. Yeah. So if, if as long as you've got a decent wind, it's not going to be blowing. Or yeah. Another thing we've learned out here is the wind is definitely a, a big factor. At least for me in my my bow hunting areas, it's I've I've lived and died by it at this point so far with some of these setups so we'll we're going to take a look and evaluate and come up with our plan for the morning so well thank you guys again appreciate y'all tuning in thank you guys for sitting down recording a podcast and next week might be me and Mike Drew y'all have to wait and see but we'll be back either way with another fall obsession podcast episode catch you then catch you later bye